Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is bright and early Californian time, the morning of Saturday, April the 29th, 20. 23, the last Saturday in April. It's that time of week. We are one day late. We normally do this show on a Friday. That was the week, my daily roundup of, uh, not daily, weekly roundup of tech news with Keith Tier, uh, who lives down the road in Silicon Valley. Lenin, Keith's an expert on Lenin, a former communist. Um, Keith, that is not Lenin. Uh, Lenin famously said that in some weeks a whole century or a whole decade of history is made i wonder whether this week though uh the story has gone the other way it's all about shrinkage keith uh i'm not going to make any vulgar remarks about Genet and shrinking we've done that with the, the the bottoms up uh show a couple of weeks ago what shrank this week uh, well, interestingly, nothing shrank this week, but things have been shrinking for the past four months. And what happened this week is uh, Genet actually wrote about it. In it's always about Genet. It's when, every time there's a sexual metaphor, it's bottoms or shrinkage. It's always Genet, Keith. Is there some connection? It's to do with you, Andrew. You, you, you just have that way of thinking. It didn't occur to me that that might be uh, the way you would think about this, but there you go. Anyway, she wrote two substantive pieces for Crunchbase News. They weren't shrunken, were they? They were substantive. They were substantive. And they focused in on uh, what's happening in startup land, uh, specifically what venture capitalists are doing, uh, how much they're paying to get into companies at various stages. And uh, the, the short story is they're paying less, investing less, uh, buying more, uh, and there's a pretty secular trend uh, of shrinking venture capital allocation to every single stage, which is what we kind of have been expecting on this show. This is documenting it. But there's some buried treasure inside the stories, which um, are, are very significant for the future, which is the question of um, the companies that raise money in the in in the what you might think of as the craziest times 2020 2021 and 2022 will they ever be able to raise again that's kind of buried inside the stories and that's what i doesn't it usually work and you know a million times more about this than i do keith is that when they raise money they'll simply raise it on a different valuation and write off a lot of the previous investment well, that's called a down round, and the way the way that works, and and I, I'm I'm in favor of down rounds, but almost almost no entrepreneurs want to do one, and investors usually don't want want to happen because they have to pay to keep playing. Well, um, nobody wants to do them, but if it's that or folding the entire company, you don't have a lot of choice, do you? Well, I think there's two aspects to that. You'd be surprised how many people don't do them even though that what you just said is true. The second is, even a down round is hard to do unless you have a very strong business model with strong traction. And the, the fact is that many of the companies that were invested in 21 and 22 in particular 
don't have that because those were exuberant times. Um, I, I would say most good seed and Aaron investors made good choices then, but a lot of the choices were not made by good investors. Uh, the number of investors active in the market those years was a, a lot higher than prior. So what you might think of as dumb money was flowing into companies that don't really have business models. Well, that, but that's just, that's hardly news. I mean, that's always the case. It's always the smart money that gets offered the best deals. I mean, that's what Signal Rank is based on: is is distinguishing the smart from the dumb money. That's exactly right, and th but that leads to a conclusion, uh, which is kind of unusual. This isn't normally true, but there are now two. Uh, cohorts of startups in Silicon Valley and around the world. The first cohort raised money in 21 and 22 uh, at the seed or the A round, uh, or maybe at the B. Um, uh, you know, 200 of them became unicorns during those years. Uh, each in year. theory, but I mean, yeah, in well, that's that term saying. now, unicorn, it seems well, a little... Yeah, that's, that's my point. That there's a phony, there's a phony cohort whose valuations don't reflect reality. Don't and say I didn't tell you, Keith. Don't you remember we used to have those shows endlessly a year or two ago? Oh, there's now there's X number, two X, three X, four X numbers of unicorns, and I always used to say, "Well, so what? It's just yeah. fantasy anyway." Well, it's but, but, money. It's all fancy money. Well, then more importantly, though, there's a second cohort that has raised money uh, in, in the last quarter of 2022 and into 2023, seed money and A money, they don't suffer from the same disease. Uh, and, and many of them, by the way, are in the AI space, in the biotech space, uh, in the uh, energy space. Um, so, so basically, if you're an investor looking at the Valley right now, it's super important to have the ability to divide your brain into those two cohorts and distinguish between them. Because what will happen next is different in each case. But isn't, again, that, that always the case? I wonder if the startup community is supposed to be so smart, supposed to be so analytical, so prescient. But this happens time again, time and time again. You have booms and busts. You put money in when, when, when the valuations are ridiculously high, and then you have these crashes. Why can't the investment community figure out a way around this problem? Um, well, I, you won't like my answer, but I, don't I like all your answers, Keith, as long as you don't talk about shrinkage. I don't think it's a problem. I think it's actually uh, it's Darwinian. Um, in a sense. What happens is new technical trends drive investor interest. Right now it's AI. Um, it, it is not irrational to want to pile into that because if you don't, you won't benefit from the growth that comes with it. And so there's always a period of building what ultimately becomes a bubble, which the value... Blowing. No, you don't build a bubble, Keith. You blow a bubble. You blow so we, we, we blow In the bubble. Of West Ham United. Exactly. Did you hear the song that um, the West Ham fans sang to the Arsenal fans? <laughs> we're, we're busy blowing doubles. <laughs> oh. Which, which I thought was a very... Particularly uh, 
I won't make any comment about the regular intelligence of West Ham fans. That was impressive. So anyway, the, um, the, 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 the bubbles are, are rational behavior. But of course, they have to come to an end. No one knows when they're going to come to an end. So until they do, you assume they're not going to yet. And, and, and that... I wonder. Yeah, I, I take that. I wonder whether there's something else going on, Keith. You've got an interesting uh, piece, couple of pieces on the 2023 20, state of AI in 14 charts, and then an interesting piece about the history of AI in seven experiments. I wonder when people look back at investments in 2022 and 2023, the real uh, division will be not between booms and busts, but between pre and post GPT. That's definitely a, a, a tipping point to kind of phrase uh, in technology. There's no doubt that is a tipping point in technology. And um, why? Because it's going to drive a lot of investment that replaces a lot of jobs with automation. And that's going to leave society with a lot of new value but also a lot of people that can turn their, their attention to other things. And I think we're, we're you know, it's a Gutenberg press moment. Uh, it's that profound. Mm, uh, I, uh, I was in New York this week. One of the people I met with was Jeff Jarvis, who's obsessed with Gutenberg. Everything's Gutenberg, this or that. This is book. genuinely Gutenberg, right? It, it really is. And, and, uh, I, I mean... I think you have to engage with it to know why, but I'll, I'll be shocked if job interviews um, for anything that involves programming or writing or producing content don't require the interviewee to be familiar with how to use ChatGPT. It, 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 it's such a, an additional productivity tool and content tool that, you just got to get familiar with it and use Did you it. use it for putting together the show? I mean, you got your, your, your essays of the week, your AI of the week, your news of the week, your startup of the week, your tweet of the week. They're all very interesting, but they're all Keith. They're not virtual Keith or they're not smart. Uh, yeah. They're not mechanical Keith. Well, that that's kind of a secret to how to use it. I, I didn't use it this week, but I have on prior weeks every now and then. And what I do is I put my editorial into it and ask it to make suggestions for improvements. Uh, so it, it isn't a replacement for me. It's, it's um, a tool I can use to be a better version of me. Can it, if, if you write the editorial, uh, let's say about shrinkage of valuations, B-round in valuations, is ChatGPT at a point now where it can recommend articles? No. Uh, not not in its pure form, but if you use the Microsoft Edge browser where they've built it in, it is connected to the internet and it can. And presumably that's what Google's working on. You would imagine. That would bring those two worlds beautifully together since they're the dominant search engine and search engine needs to get smarter. Exactly. Now there is a, a, a we talked about it last week, this thing called Agent GPT, which is... Um, it creates prompts, um, and it's able to um, it's able to ask a m multiple endpoints or sources uh, for answers to questions it needs answered for a goal, and it can harvest links. So I, I think we're going to see 
incredibly rapid movement. I mean, by rapid, I mean weeks and days. What was Lenin said, Keith? Lenin said, uh, Stalin is a bit of a scumbag. No, but what did he say about weeks? He didn't oh, actually say No, that. you said it at the start of the show. Uh, well, uh, I'm getting you to repeat it now. The, uh, 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 Lenin said that some weeks, a whole century is built in. What about this week in terms of AI? You have AI of the week, this state of AI in 14 charts, AI in seven experiments. Does anything happen of particular significance this week in AI, or is just the, the locomotive of history steaming forward? Well, the first two articles in AI of the week are, are really good uh, look backs and uh, um, and uh, you know temperature taking of the present. They're really good and and long and worth reading. The one that's the most interesting to me is the third one, which was written by John Battelle about his wife Michelle and her use of ChatGPT. This is the second in a series he's written that's all reflecting on her use. And his conclusion from her use is that Google is seriously going to be challenged because she, she's using ChatGPT, um, for example, for interior design, where formerly... Yeah, but, but, you're, you're, but the, the title of the essay is Michelle, that's John Battelle's wife, has me convinced Google will launch a direct competitor. Why is that bad for Google? Well, the reason it will is because if it doesn't, <clears throat> It's already lost her, and if she's a proxy for many other people, it's going to lose them too. So it has to have a direct competitor if it wants to stay relevant. And usually when that happens, by the way, timing is super important. If, if you wait too long to have a credible competitor, you know, everyone's already moved to, the, to, a, to a new hotel. Well, I accept that there isn't currently a product that competes. There isn't a product that's put together search and AI. Uh, Microsoft has. Microsoft has. So how, where would you go? To Bing? Uh, you can, if you run Windows, it's built into the operating system now. Yeah, but who runs Windows? Most, I guess I do. Uh, we all have Windows. Uh, you know, most of us don't here, but most people in the world do. So... So how would that work? You're in. Let's say you you open a browser, and uh, instead of doing a search keyword, you can you can do a chat. And that search is the web, but if and it includes the web, you can ask it whatever you want. Uh, it, it does limit if you. you to... If you put your essay into, you put it in. You you put it in Word, and then you put it into. Then would it would it suggest art? Would it spit out relevant articles? Because you, you already have that. You collect it. You've got all sorts of ways of doing this. I, I do it mainly by um, manually. Uh, I do it based on my reading. So I'm reading anyway. So are you uh, are you cannibalizing yourself, Keith? Here? No, I don't think so. I'd love to, by the way, because I may I, have to replace you. You know, I, I am I going to have to replace you? I, I want to replace me. You know, basically, I spend, I don't know how many hours a week. Before there's a newsletter, there's all the work I put into it, which is not, I don't do the work for the newsletter. I would do this reading anyway. Uh, but And I save things uh, that I think are useful, and I then pull them into the newsletter on a, on a Thursday or a Friday. That's end-to-end, -end, including writing to the editorial. I'm going to guess it's about five hours' work. If I could reduce that down to one hour, I'd be, I'd love it. Well, when I bring you in for my uh, interview for Keenon, uh, you might still pass because you've 
manifested an ability to use chat GPT. So nothing much happened, in other words. It's just a regular week, a regular, a regular week, a, a regularly week. radically disruptive week in AI. Exactly. I, I think if you were sitting at Google looking at the reduced number of searches, there's a, uh, there was an article this week about Google's search. Um, but they did their earnings report and the search numbers uh, only grew 1% year over year, which is the slowest growth ever. For yeah, I'm surprised you didn't link with the, the Google numbers came out. They weren't bad and the Google stock went up sharply and then sort of came down. It's because I had a busy week. So you can see I usually there's about twice as many articles in the newsletters there are this week, and that's because I wasn't reading as much. Mm, dear. Well, I, mean, you, I may have to replace you, Keith. Uh, there was, uh, in, in contrast with Google, that kind of stayed flat. You've got a piece on meta soaring. We've had so many pieces about meta crashing and shrinking. Why is Zuckerberg doing something right here? He's He's basically kissing the ass of wall street um and well, that's happened... a, no that is a very distasteful metaphor on an early saturday morning Matt, mark zuckerberg kissing the ass of that shrinkage if ever there was one now uh i should add to that that i think he's doing the right thing by doing that um his share price was down to less than half the current price uh at the start of this uh, if you go back 12 months, it was way down because of his obsession with meta and the metaverse. And now I think you can seriously say that his focus is efficiency and profit. And that's the Wall Street piece. And he's pulled that off. The numbers are spectacular. He's still spending billions on meta, but he doesn't talk about it anymore. So he's just changed the narrative. Yeah, I mean, he's not the CFO at Google. The CFO, Ruth Marcus, seems to be running the show. Uh, Pichai, Sundar Pichai, doesn't seem to be particularly visible. Does, does Meta have a CFO or is Zuckerberg doubling up? Zuckerberg is, you know, he's a super impressive person. You have to admit that. He has he survived. I don't have to admit anything. Well, when I say you, I'm using Yorkshire English, which means we all. Uh, we all have to acknowledge that. Zuckerberg, As they say in America, y'all. What they say in what's in uh, Yorkshire? What's the equivalent of y'all? You. You. Okay. You. You is not singular; it's plural. Use. If we don't say use, that's a who? That's a Liverpool people say use. <laughs> <laughs> Liverpool people. What does that mean? Scousers. We're not going to get in scousers. Um, so Meta is soaring, and then your old friend Elon Musk, according to the, the journal, he's transforming Twitter, not killing it. I actually saw this article and recommended it, and for the, one of the rarely you actually put it in because you liked it. Well, do, I, do you think he's really transforming it? I still don't really buy it. Everyone I talk to hates Twitter now, and they all used to be Twitter addicts. I think I loved this article and thank you for sharing it. I loved it because it's so against, it's a narrative violation. I mean, everyone's meant to hate Musk and mostly people who consider themselves and self-identify as being on the left. Um, Musk, by the way, was on Bill Maher's show, uh, Real Time with Bill Maher last night, and he was fantastic. Um, he, he he is the real deal, Musk, and he is not messing around. I mean, he's building. What's he in, trying to do at Twitter? 
He's not trying to... He's, he's trying to stop Twitter being captive of what he thinks of as the woke left and turn it into a proper platform where the abundance of ideas that exist in the human race all exist together without uh, idiots fighting each other and screaming at each other. But that's going to happen whether it's the left or the right. I mean, the left, the right is no more generous or open-minded. What about AI? Is more and more talk that Musk's real agenda here is somehow figuring out how to turn Twitter into this X app for AI, whatever that means. Well, X is a code word for uh, roughly the Chinese app WeChat. Uh, uh, we, WeChat does everything, right? It's part of life. You know, you if you left your house in China without WeChat, you probably couldn't get through your day because it's used for everything, um, including paying for to go on the subway, uh, you know, get taxes, everything. So, um, so he's trying to turn Twitter into a, an instrument of life more than just um, a kind of a stream of news. Isn't Facebook, though, better positioned to have that X app? I don't, I don't believe so, because I think we all have a... We see Facebook as the evil twin sucking us dry for data, and I don't think we really lean into it as a neutral instrument. Twitter's more neutral than Facebook in that sense, but it isn't neutral enough. He has to take it even further. So this concept of neutrality, which is what an infrastructure has to be, is, is super important to him. So the free speech thing isn't really the core. It's a requirement of the core um, to be neutral and, and then inclusive and then part of life. I, I think you're going to see him build that systematically, step by step. He is not a guy that stops. You know, he one thing, then the next thing, then the next thing. Yeah, and, and clearly he doesn't care. I mean, if he busts treachery, busts in and move on to the next thing. Yeah. So I, I love this Wall Street Journal article because it was a breath of fresh air. Uh, many of my friends are the same as yours, Andrew. They, they, I, I almost can't listen to the anti-Musk stuff because it almost is like Fox News, you know, like banter. What strikes me about the people, all the people I know who are on Twitter and hate Twitter, and I say to them, well, if you, if you don't like Twitter, it's like an abortion. If you don't like an abortion, don't have one. Yeah. Um, and, and they'll say, oh, we have to be on it. I can't live without it. I don't really understand why. It's all these journalists who have got nothing else to do, or acad- I think particularly academics, because they ha- they're, they're paid, but they don't really have jobs. They don't do anything all day. So yeah. they just waste their time looking at other people's links. Well, I, I'll tell you, I, when I woke up this morning, my, my hometown team, Scarborough, were in the last game of the season in what's called the National League North. Mm. Um, against um, uh, an Oxford-based team. And if they won, they were going to be in the playoffs to get promoted. And the only place I could see a kind of a play-by-play was on Twitter. And I went to Twitter and I could see the score was 3-3 as when I woke up. There was two minutes to go. It it ended 3-3. And then I could link off to the BBC and see the league table, which meant we missed the playoffs by goal difference. And that was Twitter. So it isn't just journalists. It's actually useful. Useful if you're from Scarborough. I don't know if the rest <laughs> of us. Uh, it's, it, it, in perhaps more concrete, real news, you have a link about the, the plunge 
you've got we're talking about plunging and shrinking this week the plunge of first republic yeah. um and then the nose diving of vc back startups are we beyond a, a, a structural economic crisis with these banks plunging are these just aftershocks of the the silicon valley bank earthquake or is or is it more worrying i don't feel fully you know skilled enough to 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 have an answer anyone should listen to my intuition is that this is the last dying embers of the previous crisis um there were there, there were a couple of reports this week from government talking about what happened at svb and first direct and the conclusion was it was management incompetence and secondly that the oversight body the fdic knew about it uh, was talking about it svb apparently had 31 violations of banking norms that they'd called out but they hadn't acted on what they'd learned they were still debating what to do so it was too little too late I suspect this is the end of that, not the beginning of something deeper. But you can't rule out in a world where most money is fake because of debt that there's a pack of cards waiting to crash. That can't be ruled out. I do think governments are savvy enough to understand and manage that. But if you read the reports in SVB, you, you might doubt that because the government was clearly quite incompetent. And then on a, a, a more... Uh a more metaphysical scale, you have a link about the first babies conceived with a sperm-injected robot of being born. I thought that was Elon Musk. I thought he already was uh, a robot. <laughs> I thought he was the product of a sperm-injecting robot. Is he not? Did, did Musk really come out of a human? He, he, you know, we, you, should, you should watch the Bill Maher interview from last night. I'm sure it's on um, YouTube. They have, a, they have a post-show discussion as well. He comes across as um, robotic in many ways. He, I think he's on, on the autism spectrum, so you can literally see his eyes flickering as he thinks, and he's very, very much in his thoughts. You know, he's not, yeah. he, he's not looking for empathy with an audience, as, although he likes to be praised. Uh, uh, he's, he's really just thinking and saying stuff, so he's a bit robotic. But this is kind of interesting. This is about um, infertility, being solved without that terrible cycle of and i can't resist keith i mean this is this is perfect for a, a newsletter on shrinkage it is absolutely there's no need for shrinkage is fine because there's robotic <laughs> needles <laughs> see it's not just me first yeah. babies conceived with a sperm injected robot have been born so we really do have babies out there now real people human beings well, the products of robots, is that what? Yeah, well, so look, the way it works is the fertilization process is done outside the womb. Therefore, that failure rate of many women uh, using uh, fertility treatment um, kind of goes away because you implant uh, uh, an embryo that, uh, that was created outside the womb and then it grows inside the womb and it's born naturally. So it's a fantastic plus for women who can't have children who want children. But is that, I still don't really get the sperm injected robot. Well, it, 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 to, to inject sperm, they, they inject a single sperm into an egg using microscopic level uh, direction and accuracy to create the chances of an embryo go from 
a really low percent when you do it in the womb to very high percent. So the, 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 you know, the dominant experience of women trying to, uh, to conceive is failure. And, it, and it's very depressing for, for, the, for women who go through that time and time again sometimes. So this elimination of failure, there can still be miscarriages, by the way, of course. Uh, it's very specific to the person and what the problem is. But the, but the fertilization piece is nailed by this. Can they develop something equivalent for startups? <laughs> Injection of money, I think, in that case, Andrew. Which will eliminate failure, but then it won't be as fun. Then then your your business and most other VCs will go under because everyone can do it. Uh, startup of the week, Keith. We're continuing this science fictional theme. <clears throat> Humane's wearable AI assistant. What exactly does that mean? So this gets beyond the Apple Watch, right? So yeah, so this this is basically a computer shrunk down to something you put in in, in your top pocket, as the picture there showed. And it's got a little button on it, and it 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 can do a whole lot of things. Uh, it has a projector built in as well, so if you hold your hand up, it can put visuals on your hand um, if you need visuals. And what does um, that mean, visuals? Well, let's say you want to read an email and you want to actually read it with your eyes, as opposed to have it read to you. Uh, it can do that. Um, or you direct mean you put your codes on your hand. Yeah, or directions. It does on away with a screen. Your hand becomes a screen. Your hand becomes a screen. Um, and, and this was Ted. Uh, Ted is that $10,000 ticket event. Right, so Apple Ted's back to cheering on tech rather than criticizing it. Yeah. So, so Chris Anderson, the curator of Ted, is a reader of That Was The Week. Uh, That's where he gets all his ideas, I think. And, and uh, I, I, I think Chris gets his ideas from everywhere. He's I'm surprised you haven't been asked to keynote Ted, Keith. The only way Chris would have me keynote Ted is if I told my personal story because it correlates to Ted's key emotional impact is to make people be amazed about what somebody did given the challenges they had. So my personal story would probably be a Ted, Ted worthy, but I don't think my work in tech is yet Ted worthy. Um, the, the, so is this humane thing? Is this just another buzzy bit of nonsense? Or is it for real, do you think? Hard to tell yet. Uh, th th these videos all in quotes. Which means it's buzzy nonsense. I mean, wh wh what does it do? Well, it's still we, not clear. So you can read an email on your hand. I put links to the videos uh, in, in the newsletter. You have to, you have to see the videos because it's a very visual thing. They leak, so they're mostly on Twitter, these videos. They're not on YouTube yet. The whole talk will eventually be on YouTube. But if, if you think of AI being built into a small object that fits in your pocket and it can speak like this guy demoed him speaking French, fluent French um, through the device, a bit like the universal translator on Star Trek. And it, it was fantastic. But in whose voice did it come out? His own voice. Even though he can't speak French. Yeah. So it, the AI in the device could, could replicate his voice and not just his voice, but his intonation. So he has to speak English first into the device and then, Fluent yeah. French comes out. Correct. Um, and, and, and there was many there other... every the job of every language teacher in the world and every language school. And there was, yeah, and there was lots of other, uh, lots of other demos. He did about six demos using it. It's pretty much a generalist device that can be turned to a lot of use cases. 
So one of the things we all talk about is when do we get rid of holding a screen in our hands? Um, holding a screen in our hands seems natural right now. Yeah. But that probably isn't the end game. That's probably but nothing thing. is ever the end game. That's the one thing we know for sure is that everything changes always. Yeah. So he's humane is one possible answer to what comes next. And, and it's not glasses, thank God. So it's kind of interesting just because it isn't glasses. This guy's thinking out of the box and the demos he gave. Quite literally out of the box, right? Exactly. And the demos he gave. Out of were, the screen. Maybe it should be called uh, out of the screen rather than humane. I'm not sure of the name. It's a bit annoying. Yeah. Bit well, that's easy. That meme that says that ChatGPT is an adjunct to you, this is putting that into something that you carry around. It's, you have a carryable around adjunct that can speak uh, in any language. Yeah. And the obvious narrative is that ultimately we become the carry around adjunct. Perhaps we already are. Finally, tweet of the week. Tweet and of you the week. Managed to, you managed to shrink, shall we say, or squeeze your your great hero, Paul Graham, into this. How did you do that? Um, I did it because... Uh, did, I, did, I, did I really do that? You uh, did it. You do, you do it often subconsciously, I think, Keith, with Paul Graham. And that's why Genet should be concerned. I've, I've got a funny feeling that that isn't the tweet of the week that I intended to post, but uh, <laughs> it, it was a Benedict Evans. Well, week. your feelings for Paul Graham are funny, but uh, what, what is the tweet of the week then? Uh, the, the tweet of the week said, it's a pity there are, there's no good way for retail investors, meaning you and me, to put money into an index fund of startups. Yeah, but you have to read the first. I mean, it, this is part of a narrative. So Evans wrote in 1960s, you predict the growth of cheap air travel. So you buy airline stock. 1990s, you predict the Internet. So you buy telcos, media companies and record labels. 20, 2000s, you predict smartphones. So you buy Nokia. 2020s, you see the new wave of AI, so you buy, this is from Benedict Evans, and then Paul Graham says Google, which is how you squeezed him in. Yeah. And then Evans says, it's a pity there's no good way for retail investors to put money into an index fund of startups. Andrew, you're totally right. Um, I, but I started, always that, right, Keith. I started with that last one, but I, and I didn't even see what came before. So isn't it, it actually makes it more interesting. Yeah. By the way, Paul Graham's totally wrong. You wouldn't buy Google for AI. I, I, my guess is that that was an ironic response. Yeah. Um, so I mean, you wouldn't put Microsoft. What would you put? Microsoft? So why did I put this? I put it because um, Benedict Evans is calling for signal rank to exist. I know. But you know what's troubling for you? What? That he didn't write signal rank. Why hasn't Benedict Evans heard of signal rank? He has. I, he and I know each other quite well. I replied to this thread saying, Benedict, why didn't you mention Signal Rank? So it's basically AI-driven index funds. Exactly. So we have to end, Keith, on a Signal Rank note. You explained to me before we went live that you are now eating your own dog food. What is Signal Rank up to this week? Uh, we're making our first investments. Uh, we, uh, as you'll recall, we raise money every quarter and we deploy that money pretty much the next three months. That money gets deployed into Series B rounds, which are shrinking. Uh, and, our, shrinkage. and our algorithm has shrunk the number of B rounds it approves. 
uh, uh, interestingly enough. So the algorithm is a pretty good reader of the market. But uh, two, two popped up this week, which we're going to be investing in, and there'll be more to come. So we're, we've moved from the theoretical AI model predicting what it would have done in the past to actually picking current companies and investing in them. Well, I hope there's a lot more to come, Keith, particularly uh, sperm-injected robots. Are we likely to see that in the next few months in terms of more to come? I'm not going there, Andrew. 